Good morning. I'm Karen Adabani. This is TKO. I'm glad to be back with you the day after our elections. Uh, I'm going to do a quick coming up with me is going to be Brent Blazer. He is the project manager for the Office of Emergency Services for Mendocino County. We're going to be talking about all things emergency services and getting prepped for the summer and uh, hopefully a quiet summer, but we want to be prepared. But before we do that, I wanted to just catch up. You know, I am the elections person. And I'm the one that covers all that kind of stuff. So as of last night, um, there hadn't been too many. All the uh, mail-in ballots had been counted. And oh, I think one, maybe two of the precincts, I think one precinct had been counted. And we have a total of 280 precincts in the county. So it's going to take a bit. The Registrar of Voters has till the end of the month to get it together. But the numbers coming in beginning um, from last night, the first flush, which tends to hold over time as everything gets counted when you first see the numbers is that the incumbents are winning. You have 5th District Supervisor Ted Williams ahead by 84% and then the early turn in. The turnout actually so far they've only counted like 7% of the vote so let's not you know get excited but the trend probably will hold. So that means there's only been just a little less than 4,000 votes of the total of 52,000 registered voters that have been counted. Um, so Ted Williams is ahead, John Hashcheck is ahead in the third district, uh, Matt Kendall who up until the very last minute didn't have any opponents uh, he's winning handily uh, Trent Williams who was a r- official write-in ballot is running at about 7% predicted that he may get 5% that may tr- hold true um, the uh, the position uh, for Mendocino County um, Office of Education is running uh, neck and neck between uh, Nicole um, Glent- Glent- Glentzer I guess that is Glenzer and Michelle uh, Hopkins, uh, Hodgkins, excuse me, Hutchins. Jeez, I'm bad this morning. Michelle Hutchins, and she's from Anderson Valley, had been. Uh, that is neck and neck. That'll probably go down to the wire, and I would predict, I know they're going to do a lot of recounting, but that'll be right down to the wire. And Measure M, which is a bond measure in Anderson Valley for the school system, is uh, ahead by 62%. So, and at the state level, it looks like the incumbents are winning. It does look like the DA of San Francisco has been recalled. So, but as uh, in a, you know, it's a low turnout because it is a midterm thing. Um, It looks like the incumbents are going to kind of rule there. But we'll get back to you later in the month as the numbers come in. There you go. That's my spiel for the election. So now I am going to bring up Brent Blazer. Brent, are you there with me? Yeah, can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you so much. He had to change to his phone so his his his, uh, his speaker wasn't working very well. So, Brent, um, it's actually been a year since you were on. I had you on last year. Uh, this is your, I think we talked about second year in this position. So what I wanted to do is start out with you just describing the position, kind of what, what it entails. Um, I will tell the listeners that this position, which is the uh, manager of emergency services, um, operations of emergency service, office of emergency services is under officially 
under the CEO's office, and then the assistant director of the emergency services is the sheriff. So you work with both the CEO's office and the sheriff. So that's kind of the governance structure that we have for this um, department. It's not really a department. I guess it's just a position under the CEO's and sheriff's department. So, Brett, welcome to the air again. Um, Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, Let's talk about what um what your office does let's talk about what your what your job entails and then what you've seen and things that have happened in the last year and a half or so that you've been in this position can we do that yeah fantastic great um so what is emergency management emergency management essentially is, is is you know protecting um any it's kind of cross coordination of all the different disciplines that are out there fire law ems um all the way to transportation and public works right uh in in order to help the jurisdiction you serve and or the agency and create continuity of operations and i say that like in the aspect that even when you have an emergency you know the government the, the, the key is that government services continue to to operate um you can do this profession within say a hospital Right. So when the emergency happens, we have uh, emergency management people who specialize in the hospital that uh, start creating procedures so that hospital functions will continue to happen. Um, and some examples might be that, you know, when when bad things happen, uh, the jail could have a hiccup where you still have to provide services to inmates. Um, but yet at the same time, you have to divert resources to deal with a fire or whatever it might be. Um, or you might need to bring in resources to help move uh, equipment or people from particular areas. So it's a lot of just, you know, finding out what the needs are and, and, and connecting, um, a potential resource and, and creating a solution. Sometimes just thinking outside the box and, and doing things differently than you would, um, on a, in a normal day. Um, when it comes to emergency management for the County, uh, it is a big order because, uh, a lot of times the job description, and if you look at, my position, it's really, they're outlined by county codes. It's a requirement of the California Emergency Services Act and other legislative aspects. Um, and sometimes it's just in there. So like you said, when an emergency happens the, in this county, the CEO is the director, um, the sheriff is the assistant, and then OES would be, is the coordination aspect, uh, a staff member who's, who's supposed to work across departments and um, with all the different agencies to kind of um, pull in resources and such. Um, uh, some of the challenges in our county is, uh, you know, a lot of the cities don't have, uh, this is kind of statewide, sometimes cities don't have the expertise or the, the, the funding to be able to have somebody like myself on staff. Uh, the federal government trickles down grants that essentially um, try to give 50% to the, to the counties to make sure they have at least a baseline level of expertise in the county. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I come in. So a lot of things that we do um, and, and try to, to keep up with because they, they kind of create one standard across all the different jurisdictions. Um, of course, there's the alert morning program, but then um, which kind of just depending on the county falls in different different programs. Um, uh, you know, OES is kind of primarily overwatched with the sheriff's department here, close to line with as division within the sheriff's department. Um, but we do essentially planning aspects um so the emergency operation plan for the county um any sort of threat annex like a threats 
specific threats that we have, whether it's tsunami, wildfire, uh, communication outages, we try to make sure we have some type of uh, structural plan in place for that. Um, those are really moving targets right now. This year, we just did, in fact, this state just came out with a, a Senate bill 552 that requires counties to come up with a drought response plan. Um, so I, we just, in fact, I'll be looking at it again later today, come up with a plan, a, a generic plan for that sort of thing. Um, I do a lot of grant management, of course, fund monies that are committed to, and so to emergency management that we kind of are this, uh, kind of just like any other department, they have particular funding sources, uh, that buy equipment and or, um, resources that one jurisdiction that, that basically service the whole County. So we do a lot of communication, um, equipment or big ticket items, things for, um, say maybe like the SWAT team, because the SWAT team for the sheriff's department supports multiple, uh, jurisdictions and they're kind of expensive items that, um, you know, one jurisdiction doesn't want to have to buy on their own. Uh, you know, some of the things, you know, whether it's fire EMS hazmat, you know, usually it's kind of larger equipment. We do training exercises more for the, um, coordination aspect training our staff how to respond and come together work as a team and kind of work in a different organizational structure than they're used to um, we'll be doing that on the 16th of this month and then i'm working with the town of uh um or the city of point arena on the 17th also for something similar just helping the city specifically um you know so those are those are a lot of the things that we do uh I don't want to get too far into it. I think I've, I've geeked out on you a little bit there, but uh. that's pretty good. I mean, that's a that's a lot of coordination you do, and we only do have five cities in the county. So, in a lot of sense, the area that you're working on is the more rural, unincorporated areas. Um, so, you've been at the job. Is it two years now, Brent? About two and a half, I About believe. About two and now. a half, yeah. All right. So last year you were working on trying to get set up with an office space so you could work out of and all of that. Um, so where are you located now? Has that happened? Are you do do we have a emergency services office space? Uh, how's that happening? That was uh, that was a big issue. I mean, that was a big issue for me, and I think for uh, several people last year that you didn't have an office, you didn't have a setup where you just walk in and get hit the ground running you had to set up a space workspace every time there was a disaster call so how are we with that yeah so we were we were talking about the emergency operations center and i think for 10 to 12 years now the county has known that they kind of had it in strategic plans and this is something that's bit other counties in the butt also um and they still have a dedicated emergency operations center where the computers are up and you know, it's a secure location that, you know, isn't probably going to be impacted by the disaster, right? Kind of a, uh, a place that, you know, it's kind of in, in the city, so it's less likely to be impacted, have a good electrical source, water sources so that it can sustain itself, and then it has a good IT infrastructure. Uh, and then also you want to be in an area that uh, essentially the staff can get to, right? Because that's the critical part. The, the computers and things like that aren't going to run themselves. Um, so you want to make sure you have the resources to uh, either bring in external staff and, and house them and hotel and feed them or to um, have your internal staff there. Uh, especially when you have a big disaster, you start having, 
you know, state resources, federal resources that are staffing that show up. So you kind of have to have be able to have expansion capability. Um, we still do not have uh, that. That's something that's still being worked on. Um, we have what we use, have historically used as a as a training room in the um, sheriff's department. Uh, it, it's uh, they've identified it in multiple after actions as not sufficient just because of the fact that it's it's too small for the size of staffing we have and when when things happen um and now we've moved around a few times and have a lot of equipment that we've purchased and unfortunately as we purchase more and more equipment because we were short in certain areas all of that equipment doesn't really fit in the in in that in the training room um and you know of course when you're double when you're using rooms where we use that space for um interviews meetings uh actual training events like combatives and different things that the different departments have to do um computer training and and all sorts of things so that room is in high demand um and so it's something that the 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 board i believe is still looking at and last i heard they're maybe working a partnership with uh the fairgrounds trying to uh, go after grant money to actually build a structure out there. Uh, we had money that was allotted from the PG and E uh, funds. And uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, they're still working on the um, space allocations and kind of figuring out what spaces we have in the County available um, before committing to um, any more expenses, which I think is fiscally prudent on the board's, um, behalf. It's just kind of a, we're still figuring it out. So I do have an office space to work out of thanks to the sheriff's department, but, uh, sheriff's office. Um, but we still haven't really resolved the emergency operations center. And I, I think that's a big thing because like I said, it, it hinders other aspects of, 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 you know, the sheriff's office or, or the county's ability to grow. It also hinders my ability to, um, if you can't commit to a safe space or a resource, then I can't really go after grant money or commit funds in order to enhance it, right? So it's not like I can buy more equipment or buy radios to in place because put them, right? Yeah, yeah and totally. And so it takes a lot of staff time and, and things like that, moving things around and um, kind of coming up with uh, temporary fixes. So, uh well, the critical part, yeah. Well, the critical part for me is that if indeed there was a massive fire next week, you would you did take you a day or so to even set up to get going. I don't even even a day you could do it. I don't know hours a day is what I'm saying. Hours, uh, hours and, and, you could set up. And, and yeah, and the, the challenge is like so, like the last fire, right? The, yeah, um, Hobbs Hopkins fire, Hopkins fire. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, a lot of us have done these things for so long that we can work on the fly and and do a lot of things remotely. Um, I didn't, we didn't really need to bring in, uh, any staff for that fire, like to the initial, we brought in obviously firefighters and law enforcement, but County staff weren't really, um, having to show up other than a couple, uh, press items. Right. Okay. Um, but we were able to work with limited resources. I didn't even order one, not even really any meals for like, external staff other than what was at the incident command post. Uh, so you know, we were able to work with a very small team, but like you said, when we start having a bigger disaster and if people start showing up to shelters and, you know, things like that, now you have a lot more staff engagement and a lot more, um, 
you know, coordination aspects. Right. And that's when you, you know, then you're, then you're setting up space and you're doing all these, trying to deal with the, deal with the issue while you're setting up. And, and also then people are trying to figure out like, you know, who's calling who the phone rosters and, and building documentation and, you know, and instead of having those things in place and, and kind of already templates built, you're kind of reinventing wheels every time every time we have a disaster yeah and and i just want to say in my humble opinion um this is this is an area where the the uh, board of supervisors is really needs to step up to the plate i'm sorry the ceo's office and the board of supervisors in my humble opinion need to step up to the plate on this because we've been lucky we haven't had anything like 08 where it was all over the county we've had some big fires but if there was something to really happen that lasted more than just a day or so this 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 particular office and this particular setup needs all the support it can get um considering we had all that disaster money and all the money that came in for the fires from pg and e uh i'm just really disappointed in our board of supervisors and the other thing is is that they've been talking about getting a list i'm just going to do a little mini rant they've been talking about the county's been talking with the uh, ceo's office about a getting a list of all the properties that the county owns and that's been on the table for oh my god i watched the, i watched a supervisor's meeting yesterday and it came up again they still don't have a list of all the properties the county owns if they're being used efficiently, if they're not being used. Um, so actually, the supervisors have no idea what we own and what we can use and where we might be able to put you. So anyway, that's just my mini rant. Um, if, if this is an important subject for you or you have the ear of a supervisor, hey, talk it up because um, you just don't know when the next disaster is around the corner. Okay, that's my mini rant. Uh, but I want to reintroduce uh, me. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. Um, I guess this morning is Brent Blazer. He is the project manager for its the acronym is OES, which is uh, Office of Emergency Services for Mendocino County. So unfortunately, you don't have a set up space. You have an office, but you don't have some place you can walk into a command center and have it ready to go, which I think is a real drawback if and when the next disaster happens. But let's move on to what positive things have happened um, in the last year since you've been there. We have a new CAL FIRE, um, uh, I guess he's the chief, that would be Luke Kendall. So you're dealing with CAL FIRE, you deal with the county, um, uh, you deal with all the little fire departments too, all the CSDs and all of that. So you really try to coordinate depending on where the emergency is with all these different groups. So how's that going? Um, how are you doing with coordinating with all these different groups? I, you know, honestly, it's, uh, I'm very fortunate. They're exceptional. Uh, the Cal fire, the fire chiefs, they kind of, um, you know, I, I just have a relation, try to have a relationship with them. Some are much closer than others, just the level of activities. Um, I think it's going really well. I think they have uh, outstanding partnerships in the county um, and great collaboration. Uh, so 
you know, I have no complaints there. EMS is, you know, we have a small um, EMS aspects in the county. Um, even our PG&E and our utilities, um, a little bit challenging with the phone aspects, but uh, um, PG&E, we have a wonderful rep from that aspect. Our volunteer groups like CERT and, and, and NCO and the different volunteer nonprofits in the county do an exceptional job. It is really challenging being um, one one person uh you know, because depending on the area of interest, <laughs> the, you know, every, everybody uh, wants to do planning, but then you have tribal aspects and different, you know, our county's twice the size of, say, Sonoma. So, you know, the concerns on the coast are very different than the concerns inland. Um, and so it's really hard to give special attention to certain things um, and then also manage, say, volunteer groups like ham radio operators and things and try to build out capabilities there. Um, so you really have to uh, get to a project group and or build your projects and say, you know, what what's kind of rising to the top. Um, but we have an engaged we have engaged supervisors, you know, um, you know, so they're engaged at all levels. It seems uh, in the executive staff. I know Darcy um, is really uh, filling a big big role as an interim CEO right now, and so she is you know really uh trying to be adaptive and then the sheriff of course i mean that guy um our our, our command staff from the sheriff's department this is the first time as an emergency management staff i've been in fire um agencies and then i've been in like a department of its own and you know in different configurations and counties uh even at cities and in federal government this is the first time i've been within a sheriff's department um i've had a lot of contact with and dealt with on you know many levels um, but to see what these guys are doing on a day-to-day with so few staff, I mean, you know, and, and to cover twice as much ground as, as other counties is, is really impressive. Um, so I'm um, just kind of lucky to be on the team, to be honest. That's how I feel. And have we, have we um, made some progress, progress with, uh, in the last year? Are we better prepared, do you feel, than we were last year? Are there issues that have come up that we still need to, I mean, we always have to work on getting you a space. That's one thing we're going to work on. But uh, do you feel like we've moved forward with our preparation for any kind of disaster this last year? You know, everything ebbs and flows. So I could okay. sit here and complain about there's a lot of things that i'm like because i'm an impatient person i'm not gonna lie to you i i want it to uh there's things i want it differently in our program and alignment and 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 staffing you know probably in the first year and covid definitely slowed that down i mean i'm still two and a half years and there's sometimes i'm like how have i not met you before you know and, and whether it's whether it's people like you right uh you know because i would love to meet more of our um uh, uh, broadcasters and, 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 and different news agencies just, just to know who the players are. That's been a challenge. Um, I would say, though, and there's a lot of things that they've uh, given me some liberty to, to, to tackle. I mean, just the fact that we have the Mendo Ready site and all the integration aspects and the evacuation planning aspects on that Know Your Zone map, that was huge. I mean, that was something that other counties, you know, that have much better resources than us didn't have uh 
or had to out, outsource. Well, let's uh, talk about that. No, that's that's a good that's a good intro. Thank you for bringing that up because that was my next thing. I want to talk about the websites people can go to. So now we're going to shift to from what's been going on with you to let's talk about interacting with the community and getting the word out to the community because uh, that that's an incredible site. I mean, I recommend everybody go to mendoready.org. Um, so that's a site that's under the sheriff's department on the county's website. But I have to tell you, it's a really good website. It's very informative. Um, I went there this morning. I checked things out. Um, MendoReady.org. It's got little sections for planning and preparation, be informed, and all of that. Uh talks about what a lot of preparedness yesterday on the air scott crowdy had uh, did a whole fire safe council show which was really Uh great um so basically what i want to get from you and to our listeners is we need to talk about um the mendo alert versus the nexel and explain about what those are and that's where everybody gets their little phone or they get a landline that get notified so can you walk us through that for the listeners and how that yeah, how that uh, works please certainly and i'd like to say you know scott and the firewise community has done an exceptional job that's another uh, whole another aspect of community outreach that we try to support as much as possible and, and, and leverage the products they create um, when it comes to nixel and and um everbridge they're just two different they're two, they're technically two different systems right they're owned by one company now they were separate companies um essentially if you think about it they just they they're you know technology is changing so fast so this is a huge part of of what the state and and local jurisdictions have to keep trying to uh, you know stay ahead of so Nixle essentially is your cellular service, right? So that's really kind of text messaging to your phone. I'm going to leave it as simple as that. Um, you know, so that's kind of where you can simply text 888-777, your zip code in, and, and register that way. I really prefer that would, and I really would strongly recommend that people go to the website, go to mendoready.org and click on the register here at the top of the webpage for Nixles. Um, because you can follow multiple agencies and sometimes people are registered and they don't realize that they're not really they're Maybe they're following Ukiah PD, but they're not following the sheriff's department. So they're not getting maybe the, the messaging that we're putting out or they're actually have moved or they're following an agency down in, in Sonoma, whatever it might be. Um, because generally the application changes, but you know, you, you can register on the website for a lot more, following a lot more sites than or agencies than if you just text in your zip code. Um, so that's that's Nixel. That's a very different platform than, say, Everbridge. Everbridge is a much more dynamic uh, application as a whole. You can register, and it also gives us more granularity in the aspect that we can target certain areas of the county a little bit better. Um, with messaging. We use them both and they overlap, but the uh, Everbridge system will allow you to put in your actual location, address. You could actually have multiple addresses um, in the county. So your home, your work, where you like to visit, places all over the county. And so if we happen to message that area, 
then you'll get that message. You could also put in a family member's address, right? If you want to keep uh, tabs on your your relatives or, or children or whatever it might be, um, and what's going on in their area, you could put that address in, in your account too. Um, so you could have multiple addresses. You can have multiple phones, cell phones and landlines. You can have emails. You can have all sorts of stuff. You can pick your preferences of how you want to get alerts. And so it's a lot more functionality. Um, the challenge has been that, you know, sometimes people register for one or the other because they, the way they implemented these systems in years past. And so there's no way for me to take the data from one system into the other. It's just not the way it was. They were separate things, the systems when they were built. And so I really just want to get people in the practice of, you know, every year log into both of them. Um, if you do create a login, you know, you really do have to take some ownership or work with a family or friend to go in there and, and to the portal and just, you know, uh, update your information. And again, I've had people claim they didn't get a message. I get this all the time. And then I go in there and I look and it's like, oh, you didn't update your address because you moved last year or you got a new cell phone or whatever it might be. Um, so, so, you do, so, you that, do, so you have to update it and stay on top of the information that you get them. That's what, that's what we need to get out to people. Just because you did it once, things may have changed. You need to go back in and check it, correct? Exactly. Good, okay. And, and the site is fantastic because when people ask, I can just say, go to mendoready.org, and there it is right at the top of the page. Hey, so what about the other one that they mentioned that um, I wasn't familiar with is called a wireless emergency alert, W-E-A. Is that another service? It is a service. We have capability through the federal uh, agencies, but uh, that does not require a registration. That is a push notification. And so when something escalates to a, a much more dynamic situation, we target an area. And, and that requires us to draw like a shape or either we pick the whole county or we pick a shape um, or draw a shape and then we send a signal. And that's actually like a radio signal. Okay. And so there's a lot of challenges with it, uh, but you don't have to register for it. And we use it to catch all for people who maybe are visiting the county and just it's it's kind of like radio right like let's just send it out there into the world and hopefully people get the message so the issue Um, with that so but the issue with that is you have to have your phone set to receive it is that correct uh you generally handsets are set to where they automatically are receiving public uh, local messaging uh you can go in there and people have obviously turned it off right uh and that depends on your device. The only thing they can't opt out of is a presidential, like something that right, comes from the federal right, government, right, right. but they can turn off. And if you want, people could turn on another part of it that's new on newer handsets that they could receive our test messages so they could kind of see when we're doing tests and such also. Huh. Okay. Well, that's um, way beyond my my skills. Yeah. It's, it's right there in the same functionality huh. uh, of the phone. And, you know, obviously every phone's different. Uh what I want to assure people is that that technology, uh, the federal government says it's within a tenth of a mile accurate, like if we draw a shape. And we've proven time and time again at local jurisdictions testing, showing that that's not true. And even providers are saying that only uh, maybe a third of the devices that are out there in the world are able to be that specific of their location. Um, and it also depends on the wireless provider that you have 
they don't have to use the wireless alert system, so they can choose not to send those messages. Uh, Verizon, on the other hand, they go 10 miles beyond. If, you, if I draw a shape that's a quarter mile, they're going to go 10 miles beyond that. Wow. So our targeting capability, you might get messages that don't apply to you, and you might get messages that or you might not get the message, right? Okay. And that's why there's no... We use all of these in a, in a slew, you know, we pull the trigger on a lot of different messaging and we just ask the public to understand that, you know, we're just trying to communicate as best we can. So one of the things I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you had a chance to really look into it because we just talked about it yesterday, was the whole, the idea, um, the whole cellular service in the county is changing. Uh, they're getting rid of 3G. Everybody's jumping up to 4G and maybe even 5G, probably not in our area. But what that's doing, what I noticed in my area, I'm deep in Yorkville, as most of my listeners know, um, I have to have a, a very expensive booster antenna to even try to get my phone service, which now has gotten so weak that I don't and I have to go wireless I do it um, through my internet actually is how I do it so I have Wi-Fi service so with all these uh, cell towers uh, decreasing their distance because when you go from 3G to 4G the tower doesn't send out the signal as strong it doesn't go as far um, have you been hearing anything about there's going to be like dead pockets in the county where the cell service is just not going to be is that is that an issue that's going to be coming down the pipe for us in our rural areas have you heard anything about that, Brent? So I, I haven't heard of, say, dead spots. Okay. Um, so essentially by the end of the year, 3G is supposed to be phased out. Each, uh, you know, different telecommunication companies are doing it at different times throughout the year. And essentially all what it means is that if you're, if you're on a 3, if your device is a 3G device, an older phone, essentially, um, iPhone 5 and older older flip phones um, it's not just you just won't be able to use them they won't be there won't be a network to, to support them and it should the network should have been replaced with a four or 5g capabilities um, meaning that if you have a phone compatible or any mobile device then you can still use the network um, what we tell people is you need to make sure you reach out to your provider uh, make sure you know what service plan you have and what your handset is, your phone. Um, it could be an issue where you can update the software, but most likely if you're using an older phone, um, you're not going to be able to um, use cellular service. And some of the challenges are like some uh, nonprofits or charitable donate char charitable agencies might have been giving out old phones to uh, people just to call 911 on so you didn't need to have a service. Um, nothing will work. With nothing those will work. Yep. There goes all the flip phones in the county. So, so that brings yeah. me. So that brings me. Um, let me just say again. This is Brent Blazer on the air with me. He's the project manager for OES. Um, we're talking about all things emergency services today, and we're gonna. I'm gonna open up the lines, but I want to get a little bit deeper into some questions for him. Then I will open up the lines for listeners. Uh, if you have questions, that would be great, or maybe concerns you can raise for Brent. He always. He's really into getting some good feedback from the county. Um, so talking about lack of phone service, being remote, not getting in that. So that brings up for me the whole issue of how this emergency services office started years ago. Because I've been doing this so many years, people know that I go way back to when it was the ham operators in Mendocino County that used to handle almost all 
almost all of the communications during emergency services. Uh, they were all volunteers back then. So when I was at the website this morning looking, what I saw is that we have a Mendocino Auxiliary Communications Services, which is called MAX, and that is the ham operators. Um, so I'm, I'm going to assume that you have interaction with them um, I was hoping that maybe there might be a ham operator call, uh, listening that could call in and tell us what's going on. But I've found in many situations, it's the ham operators that are off the main grid from all of these, you know, cell towers and uh, landlines that really step up to the plate. What kind of interaction do you have with them? Uh, yeah, so I don't want to take away from the volunteer groups or the, the clubs that were here in Mendocino County because they, they really did take, uh, they really have led um, the carts and such, the, the group here, the ham radio effort. Uh, what we did was really to have, make sure they were covered under disaster service worker policies and such and make sure that they're um, affiliated volunteers we have to do like a little bit of a background to make sure we we know who we're asking to go to hospitals or shelters you know to help communication aspects um is is kind of brand a group a team and, and create a, a process of of, yeah. of backgrounding them and vetting them and then some basic training type aspects uh, to make sure they know all know how to work together um essentially we work with one we've had a, I have a chief radio officer who's uh mike uh, Carter, and he has been really the backbone of helping me put this together um, and driving force. And of course, with the McCarts and the other uh, hams in the in the community, um, it's really an organic group. Um, so essentially, if if they want to participate and, and be a part, I just try to recruit them into the agency. They have to have a, a ham radio license, which is really through the FCC and such. Um, so it is kind of a skill. It's not something the county can train you to do or give you the the licensing but once you get through that then we have additional follow-on training that we give you to help uh teach to tell to, to work with the county right because really what we need is um if we have an event out on the coast i want one operator to be out that we may have to ask you to actually go out there and, and be at the hospital right and then be use your radio to communicate back to the emergency operations center or back to an area in which we can use communicate or can get communications uh an example being when we had to tell a communication outage the other other month now i think it's almost a month ago um we actually deployed some of the operators out to the hospital and uh out in fort bragg and they were relaying information back to somebody's home and then they were just jumping on a phone and give me a call and, and saying hey here's what's going on or here's what they need um and so uh, a lot of times it's it's more informal um and organic um but you know they're an incredible resource and our search and rescue uh teams for for the mendocino sheriff's department they have a lot of similar capabilities except for you know they don't want to they, they, they have so many different capabilities that you don't want to tie them up just you know manning radios so this is kind of a lo lesser intense uh you know less physically demanding uh way to help out the county um, where you can just kind of be passing messages uh via the radio 
Yeah, which was important. I, I'd forgot. I mean, when I think about you and the emergency services the office, I think about fire and I think about, you know, tsunamis and I think about all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, that whole telecommunications when the pipe, the, what happened is probably people heard about it is there was some digging on the coast, uh, just south of Fort Bragg or right around Fort Bragg and it took out the whole, took out the, <laughs> almost the whole coast for, um, communications for like an, eight hours which meant the hospitals were down everybody was down so that's that's another situation where you your office kicks in um the other one you brought up earlier that i hadn't thought about was the whole drought situation so that's another situation where you get called in um and we're probably with the lake being half full i mean we're probably going into another situation where drought is going to be considered a disaster so you it already is it is it's already declared a, that's right they already redid it as so, a disaster still carrying it from last year so really that is still, and yeah. that's what i would share with you um you know and i just want to put this out there a lot of people think of emergency management i don't own a fire truck i'm not a fire chief those guys are the fire chiefs right, right. they know fire we don't when, when I'm trying to help them, I am by no means, I've had people tell me, uh, hey, you should go tell the sheriff to arrest this guy. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, that's not my role. That's not your um, role. Yeah. My, my role is really to, uh, you know, I have some law enforcement background. I've done the military. I've been to a fire academy. I've done EMT. I understand what they're doing out in the field. And, I, and I'm really here to tell uh, strategic planners like, the board and the you know county executive team what they are doing tactically and what they need assistance with right right okay hey hey in the next 12 hours cal fire is about to want to do re-entry and let people back into this area and i need to make sure that the re-entry kits are there and that we have pg and e has made sure the area is safe and the lines are wrecked out and do we have agreements that this area is safe before we let this let these people in and, and ultimately cal fire is doing a lot of that but i double down and and bring you know the public health perspective in and and all those other aspects and then really it's the money right it, it you know i wish i could help darcy more because because we're so under, I don't have a big team, so I don't get to focus in some of the areas I want. Um, but it's these disaster proclamations are a lot, a lot of times about how do we make sure we're eligible for potential grant stuff down the road, right? So hazard mitigation, you know, having hazard mitigation projects and such are kind of like when the money comes available, we want to be able to have those projects queued up so we can apply. Yeah, and, um, and same thing with climate. Yeah, and considering yesterday, I listened to eight, seven hours of the board meeting, and it was budget talk, and it was all, we're poor, we're poor, we don't have any money, we can't do this, we're poor. Yeah, so getting uh, getting grant money in is really, really a key thing. So, uh, folks, I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. On the air with me is Brent Blazer, and I am going to open up the phone lines so that if you have pertinent questions about emergency services, about what's going on, one of the things we're going to be, oh, the phone number is 707-895-2448 if you want to get a question or a concern into Brent Blazer. Uh, so, Brent, one of the things we haven't talked about, which is something that is really special for our county, is the zones. Uh, when you go to that when you go to mendoready.org you have the chance to go when it's i think it's under the prepare and plan uh heading uh, it has these zones and what you did is you've divided the county up into zones 
so that if there's if I see smoke or I think that something's close, I can actually go in and see where my house is, where my parents, my kids' houses are, and see what zone they're in. So it's a more targeted uh, announcement and, and um, notifying of the community. So am I close? Is that right? What that's all about? The zone? Yeah. Concept? I mean, ultimately, a lot of times we do initial messaging. We okay. say a, a physical area in the county where we say from this road to, uh, you know, we box it with roads, but this road to that road, you know, west of this road or this intersection. And we try to describe it, right? And that's been historical practice, and that's really challenging when people have different names for roads or where they don't know the area. So we try to get into a practice of using a zone name uh, so people can kind of reference and orient themselves to a particular area. And also orderly evacuate an area and maybe orderly re-enter an area also when you let people back in. Um, so that's really the whole practice. Uh you know, I want to give credit. We have an officer, uh, uh, Jared Cheney, kind of helped us figure out a Google solution because we didn't have a, um, a, a, a system, not say a system, but a application for it. And in when we had the August Oak fire, and we started using this practice, and then what we did was we we just really built it out for the whole county. Um, and then I have some exciting news. We also, I just got a $200,000 grant uh, that's going to the board in the next couple of weeks um, to accept it. We got to award it, but I got to make sure I get their permission and get, um, you know, allocation of funds. Um, but essentially to onboard with a much more uh, sophisticated, not say sophisticated, but a better system than, than what we're using now. A better and system so, for the zones or better system for alerting? Uh, both. It'll integrate with both. And so instead oh, of, okay. you know, so it's, it'll basically, uh, more than half the counties in the state are using it. Um, but so essentially it'll pay for our subscription to it. It'll let me do an analysis to make sure we built strong zones and good names and such. It'll make it easier for operators. Um, and it'll let us integrate with other counties around us and such. So, um, and it'll pay for a lot of staff time because, you know, over $100,000 is going to go towards essentially staff time. So that helps the county out there. Yeah, I guess one of the things we should mention is these alert systems, the Nexel and the Everbright, which is Mendo Alert. These are not free, folks. These You have to pay for these. Every time you use them, uh, you have to pay for them. And I think there's like a subscription fee, too, or something. So there is overhead on that. All right, let me just give out the phone number, 707-895-2448, if you have a question or comment for our project manager for emergency services for Mendocino County, Brent Blazer. Um, sounds like you've had a busy year. Um, I'm glad to hear about the grant money out there. I would think with all the... Uh, it seems like the cat, the state is flush. Let me just say, our state of California is flush, and they're trying to figure out where they want this money to go. And I think these kind of projects, um, and I, I don't know if our representatives are listening. Um, they actually, the incumbents won. So we have Jared, we have Huffman, we have uh, McGuire, and we have Jim Wood still reigning, and um, those will be our representatives here. So... I would hope that the state would trickle down some of this money for these kinds of situations. Um, and I bet you're out there looking all the time for grants, aren't you? <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations on the 200000 by the way. That's a, that's yeah, a, that's a big chunk. 
I'm up to two six two hundred sixty thousand in the last couple of weeks. So all right, above, Brent, above above and beyond. Above and beyond, do. dude. That's great. Okay, uh, we have a caller here. I'm going to get the caller on to see what they've got to comment on. Okay, here we go. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. Share comment or concern. Good morning, Karen. It is Gizmo. Brent, thanks for the show. Um, I wanted to ask two questions just so that um, I'm sure of the step-by-step process of what's going on. Um, One is, uh, um, a question is, so we we get an alert uh, and it comes over the phone and or the radio as an emergency alert. Uh, or prepare to evacuate, and then we're going to get direction on um, where to stay away from and where to evacuate to. And then we get down to the main roads or the freeway, and we follow the uh, continuous messaging signs to um, the safe zone. And then my question is, is that the step-by-step process? And my second question is, um, are the uh, sirens going to be working in time this summer for Red Valley and parts of Potter Valley? And um, can we get a a drill, a fire drill or a a test on those uh, on that system? Great. I'm going to let you take those off the air. Thank you so much. Yeah, I forgot to talk about the sirens. All right, his call, was that correct? Is that how you do it? You follow it, just what he said? Yeah, the evacuation notices, you know, it's a, it's a little dynamic in our county. It's so big. Okay. Uh, so as information comes back, you know, we put it out and, and, and try to make sure it's accurate. And then, okay, we're evacuating this area, and this is where we're going to go. Um, if we don't have a particular site, sometimes it's as simple as, okay, we're evacuating this area and then I got to reach back out and say, okay, is there a holding area or, you know, a shelter that we want to open up? And so you'll see the information kind of trickles out. Um, And so, you know, it's not always as easy to say exactly. Um, We do the electronic messaging. If it's integrated with a system called iPause, um, then it will, it'll do that automatically. If it's not, then that's something that like Caltrans or in the other Cal CHP might help out with on the messaging aspect. But I think you pretty much nailed the, the way it, way it works. Um, when it comes to the sirens, the, the great point, uh, the, the fire department, local, local department there has already been doing some of the testing. So uh, no, wait, this is in Potter Valley. Let's just, let's, cause we go over the whole county. So this is specifically to Potter Valley and Redwood Valley, both is there sirens in both of those communities. I think the only one that right now up is the Redwood Valley okay. siren, right. the new one that they put okay. up. And then uh, they're working for grant money to pay for a couple extras. I believe it's four or five. Um, I don't know the timeline of that installation. The control aspect right now for activating those sirens is really with the local fire department. Um, they're going to maybe reach out to Cal Fire and look at how to maybe integrate with the fire dispatch and such. Um, but that's still being worked out. They have done some uh, testing of the siren. I don't know if they've really done any drills. Okay. Um, and that's something that we could you know, help work with the local local agencies on there's some you know obviously very uh, 
there's always coordination challenges, right? Like who has the authority to push the button? Well, we've got so many small little entities too. So, hey, I'm going to break in, Brent, because we got two phone calls coming in. I want to get to the listeners. Okay, they may have some good questions. You never know. That last one was good. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Oh, there you are, caller. You're on the air. Yes. Hello. Um, I I've heard. Oh, I see. There's a delay. Um, yeah, you got to turn off your radio. Some, There's a seven-second delay, folks. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so what's your question? I have some concerns about the cell phone uh, notifications, especially as they're going from 3G to 4G. Uh, one of the problems that was run into in the Paradise Fire a few years ago was the microwave signal couldn't get through the ionized air that's over a fire zone. Uh, I discovered this working in the Navy when we could not get radar images from behind the ship because of the ionized air coming out of the boiler exhaust. Yeah, that, that's... the it's higher cool. frequency you go, the more the microwave energy is absorbed by ionized air. Yep. So it, it, it pays to know where you're alerting and what direction you know if you're downwind of a big fire your cell phone may not work at all yeah that's true and i mean that's why i brought it up because i think cell phone and access in this county is going to going to become a major issue at the end of the year because i know a lot of people are still on flip phones and 3g all right i'm speaking to you and if if i could if i could thanks so much for the call uh, thanks so much for calling certainly bye-bye also, I'm a ham operator, and he brings up he brings up great points. And uh, there's always that's why I always say there's gaps. We also use an emergency alert system, which is uh, radio um, relaying information through radio, essentially. Um, yes, via and 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 you're right. There's challenges on all of it. And I just want to share one thing was the other week with the uh, telecommunication outage. We put out you know information about the outage on social media and did some. Uh, nixels and things like that and then the public obviously uh, you know people were criticizing online about well the people who need the message can't get it because their phone's out and so what what we don't think about as a community is that um, by putting information out there you migrate and move around the county and you might be aware of it so then when you come into contact with somebody you may tell them so you know, sometimes it's just putting the information out there and, and trying to, you know, make it inundate an area that people spread by room of mouth uh, or other informal processes, too. So, Well, that came I up just, yesterday. That actually came up yesterday on Scott Crowdy's show is that a lot of the uh, community neighborhoods like Greenfield, Brook Trails, and a lot of these little subdivisions that we have in the county that happened back you know, or half that in the years, they've gotten together and gotten phone trees together. So I think exactly. we're gonna we're gonna have to start relying more on our neighbors as these microwave systems are just not up to the capabilities in our rurally challenged area. Okay, um, yeah. So we lost our callers. If they go and call back again, we had a couple people online. We can maybe get one more call in. So yeah, this is it's going to be an interesting time coming up. Anything else you wanted to get out that we haven't got a hold of? I've got one more call in coming in. Think about what you might want to get out. I'm going to catch this last caller. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. I, I don't think I'll have time for my question. Could your guest give his phone number so I could call him after the show? 
Sure, I'll give out his contact number. Thanks, Jazz. Will you for sure? Thank you, Yasmin. I'm getting emergency alerts on a landline, Karen. Right, I will do that. Doesn't seem possible. All right, I'll get that information to you, and we'll talk about the landlines. Thank you. Thanks, Yasmin. Thank you. Long time no see, babe. (laughs) All right. Okay. Yeah, landlines. Let's talk about that, Brent. Uh, And we're going to about your give out your contact. But what happens if I don't have a cell phone and it's a landline? They're going to call me on my landline. So that's exactly why I say I would like people to register for the Everbridge system, right? Because it does landlines and such. Um, You know, so that's the more advanced application out of the two that we use in the county. Um, We that can have landline, cell phone, email, all sorts of stuff. Um, You know, but I just you know would also let people know that uh, last week. You know, when we had the tele, the telecommun- or a couple weeks ago when the telecommunication right. outage happened, one line was split. So <laughs> we've come to this, we, we think that landlines are not going through cell towers and or microwave. And the reality is, is that a lot of these lines are ending back up into being broadcasted through one, you know, microwave system or a cell tower, right? Eventually, the the nerve endings are all coming back to one. Um, so again, it, it's really about redundancy. Um, yeah. But if you do have a specifically have a landline, go on the MendoReady.org, sign up for Everbridge. And the best I can do is make sure we put information out into the world, and you know, try to put uh, proliferate it out to all of our partners. And then go talk to your neighbors, folks. If you're in an emergency situation, make sure your neighbors know all of that. So, Brent, real quick, give out your access number because we're about ready to wrap up here. Real quick, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, my office line actually yeah. is 707-463-5667. Okay. And you can always go to MendoReady.org and get all those numbers. Hey, Brent Blazer, thanks so much for coming on the air. Thanks for the work you're doing. And we'll be checking back in with you. And folks, if you have access to your supervisor or it makes you, it's important, uh, get a hold of them. Let them know that this guy needs an office and we need an emergency services center. All right. We'll do what we can for you, Brent. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.